The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander. Right across from me is the one, the only, the... Be nice, Scott. <laughs> be I saw the wheels turning. Be number two lucky special. <laughs> I hate you. Tammy, this has much underwood. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi, Tam. Hi, everybody. So check this out. I was actually thinking about your nephew, Yuki, today. Oh, were you? I was thinking about him again, too. And I was thinking he's hella Asian. He is. And he's so Asian that his pronouns are he ya. <laughs> he is hella Asian, and he's hella smart. You ever wonder what goes through my head? It's fucked up things like that. Is it fucked up things like that? Yeah. No, he's hella smart, too. My brother tried to tell me I was replaced by a toy, but no. That could never happen. But hi, everybody. I didn't say hi. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do part two of Cheesy Mazda. Cheesy Mazda. <laughs> Dude, when you said that earlier, I was like, what? <laughs> and then it dawned me, yeah, that's what you called him. I mean, even though he did change his name, you still call him Cheesy Mazda. Well, it's the cult of Alm or some shit. The Alm cult of terror. That's it. I knew it was something like that. Yes, yes. But- I just remember his name is Cheesy Mazda. Well, remember we left off with them building that uh, compound at the base of Mount Fuji. Right, right. That was all like trailers and like yeah. a warehouse. Yeah, trailers it, and kind of yeah. like a Japanese version of an American trailer park. All they need is somebody with you know wife beater on sitting there going outside in Japanese yelling at somebody to get him a beer <laughs> and bring him back over his Tupperware. Bring back over my Tupperware just because you're si- you're my sister doesn't mean you can tell me how to raise our kids. <laughs> Ouch! <laughs> that's that's disgusting. Your sister ain't good enough for her own family. Who is she good for? <laughs> is she good for? Dude, I got my stitches out today, and my my hand is just killing me. But any hoosies. I can put staples in there. I have a staple gun. No, I I'm allergic <laughs> to metal. Remember, that's why they can't put staples in any part. That's of That's why you don't listen to Metallica. That makes sense. Okay, Shut come up, on. You're so dumb. Come on with cheesy Mazda part okay. two. So, anyways, so uh, we're on the dawn of a new age because you know a lot of people think that when the mo- the people who join cults, you know, of course you have the leader who's this megalomaniac or whatever, um, but they often think that the followers are just simple minded. You know, people or those who are easily impressionable. However, that that was not the case with the Alm cult. Uh, there were some who could be considered impressionable. Many who were simply looking for an alternative to that high pressured work ethic that had become uh, part of modern life in Japan at that time. However, many students dedicated their life to Om and after joining, regaled their friends with stories of miraculous occurrences amidst a life of peace and harmony. Some highly talented men and women responded to the call, lured by the promise of events that bordered on the supernatural. One of those converts was Hideo Murai, Murai, M-U-R-A-I, He was a brilliant astrophysicist. He turned his back on the corporate world after reading an alm leaflet in a public library. He 
He was a small, quiet man, seemingly incapable of a single violent thought. However, after he met Asahara, he became caught up in his new master's apocalyptic vision and was destined to become Om's chief scientist and the architect of the terror that Om was about to unleash on the world. So he said, hey, Cheesy Maza, I'm all in. I'm all in. Yes, <laughs> that's what he said. Then more followed, such as Sichi Endo. He had... He had been studying at Kyoto University when he first heard of Om, and he was a genetic engineer with a PhD in molecular biology. His time had been devoted prior to joining the cult to conducting medical experiments in the viral research center within the university's medical school. Then there was Masami, I'm going to screw this name up, Suchia, T-S-U-C-H-I-Y-A. Chia. I know. I know where that is. That's a chia pet. Everybody should have gotten that one before I even made the joke. That's right. They should have. But he walked away from a career in organic chemistry to join the cult. And then there's Fumihiro Joyu. He received an advanced degree in telecommunications. Isn't that a Japanese porn name? Oh, my name is Fumihiro Joyu. I enjoy you a long time. (laughs) He was at the beginning of what was considered a great opportunity for any young scientist researching and developing artificial intelligence for National Space Development Agency. Uh, sadly, he was lured by the magic of Alm. He quit after only two weeks on the job. Um, one of uh, Hideo Murai's first inventions was actually a cloth cap fitted with a web of tiny electrodes called they, that he named the Perfect Salvation Initiation. The cap sent bursts of electrical energy into the scalp, and according to him, it would stimulate the brain and synchronize the brain waves with those of the master. The caps, powered by six-volt batteries, were mass-produced and given free to all full-time followers. However, others could rent one for only $7,000 a month or purchase their own for $70,000. His bizarre invention sold well, ranking in millions of dollars for the cause. Isn't that crazy how much money these people are doling out for these, like, I mean, we would have called them snake oil stuff back in the day. Part of my church right here is if you are in your 20s, I will personally touch your vagina if you're female for a very reasonable cost. And uh, that will ensure that uh, you get to the afterlife in, in good standing. You are going to go to hell in a handbasket. Why, why can't it be just a wheelbarrow? Oh, I have news for you before I continue. Mom left this morning. <sighs> are you sad? Do you hear the silence? That's the silence of sadness. Is that the silence of sadness? Then he invented... I'm going to bang her. You know that, no, right? Even if no, I got to go no. to Arkansas. I'm going to give her the stupid. No, no, you're not. Dang it, this hurts. Anyways, then, of course, he invented the astral teleporter. That device was a system of wires that were connected to Asahara's meditation mat to record the vibrations of the master's mantras. The resulting vibrations were then pulsed through the mat of the followers so that they could, quote, clean their astral dimensions through the master's mantric vibrations. You're cleaning your astral with the mat. I'm just like, dude, I just can't believe what people bought into. 
With many talented scientists and physicians joining the cult, Asahara planned to create an astral hospital and cosmic science institute. The hospital was to be the first that, quote, incorporated medicine from a higher dimension. The science institute was become responsible for such thing as the newer version of the original blood initiation ceremony where DNA was extracted from the master's blood, which already had magical properties, and when ingested would result in the recipient gaining an, e- gaining an even higher level of enlightenment and amazing supernatural powers. I'll tell you, man, when I went to the doctor and he checked my astral region, um, thank God he said everything was okay, but it was uncomfortable. So I'd bet, I bet that a whole bunch of people getting their astrals checked. Would, yes. So, do you want to guess how much this treatment would cost? It's got to be at least ten grand. Seven thousand. Everything he does <laughs> I know, is seven thousand. Oh, you want me to touch your head? That's seven thousand. Do you want me to touch three head? It's seven thousand. You want me to not touch anybody head? That's seven thousand. <laughs> he likes that number seven. Jamie. So, anyways, Chris, he of course was so ecstatic because his new scientist that he had brought on board were able to transform his original miracle cures you know the um alcohol infused tangerine rinds into a new high-tech industry his uh, euphoria though was short-lived because beneath the surface of his godlike demeanor burned the ever-present desire to strike out at the world that had originally rejected and ridiculed him Now, life was not all joy and enlightenment within the sect. Some followers, frustrated by the lack of promised change in their lives, began to rebel against the strict regimen that he had instilled. One man decided that he wanted to leave and advised his instructors of his decision. When Asahara was informed, he summoned the 25-year-old to his private chambers. He told this disciple that Om was a lifetime commitment and anyone wishing to leave must be, quote, mentally unstable and in need of guidance. He determined the man's inherent instability was caused by, quote, heat within the head and ordered that he be dunked repeatedly in near-freezing water. He soon went into hypothermic shock and died. Christ's sakes, right. man. The man's closest friend, Suji, Shuji Taguchi, was shocked that Asahara had, could be capable of such a violent act and began to voice his disapproval to the other members. And in February of 1989, Taguchi was summoned to appear before Asahara to explain his criticisms. And after listening to the man's complaints, Asahara ordered that the man undergo, quote, conditioning to clear his mind. Now, Shuji feared that he would suffer the same fate as his friend, refused to undergo the conditioning. He was then bound with ropes and led to a small cell where he was questioned intensively for hours. Finally, when he was mentally and physically exhausted, he blurted out how he hated and distrusted the sect in general and Asahara in particular. When Asahara heard this admission, he called a late meeting with Murai, and the six other scientists to discuss Taguchi's future. Asahara told his disciples that Taguchi could not be freed as he may come to the notice of the authorities and neither could he stay within the cult as he would be a disruptive influence to the other followers. He then spoke of them to them of POA being the elevation of one's soul to a higher plane and his intentions became clear. 
Mirai was directed to return to the prisoner and give him one last chance to change his mind about leaving. If he refused, Asahara said, you know what you must do. Mirai did as he was told and confronted Taguchi one more time. And the guy was scared but adamant, asking again if he could just leave. In answer, four of the men restrained him while another blindfolded him and tied a rope around his neck and tightened it. He struggled to free himself but was quickly overpowered. Finally, one of the men took his head in his hands and twisted it sharply to one side. And his only crimes were fear and dissatisfaction And he, as he died with a broken neck. His body was then wrapped in a plastic sheet and taken to a courtyard where it was dumped in a drum and doused with gasoline, then set on fire where it burned for hours. Asahara inspected the remains and ordered that they be burned again until only ashes remained. Now, this ghastly deed took hours. When Asahara was satisfied with the result, he ordered the ashes to be dumped under some bushes. Several days later, Om was contacted by Taguchi's family who wished to speak to him. They were told that he was involved in intensive training and could not be contacted. A couple months later, the family received an anonymous message that read, Om Supreme Truth is a dangerous organization. Many of its members are more dangerous than gangsters. The police were then notified, but, their in but the inquiries yielded nothing. After the murder, Asahara became more paranoid. Even though the sect was going through a period of increased growth and profitability, he became uneasy about outside interference. There was a growing level of unrest in the community regarding the, the cult's activities. Parents were demanding the return of their children and were no longer satisfied with the lame excuses that they were given by the, by the OM officials. The police, having received numerous calls from worried parents regarding alleged child abductions and noise complaints from the compound's neighbors, began to take an interest in Om, but failed to invest, instigate an official inquiry. Frustrated with the lack of support from the authorities, several parents sought private legal advice. One lawyer in particular decided to champion their cause and began to get, gather evidence to fight this cult. Now, the Lawyers was from Yokohama, and his name was Tsutsumi Sakamoto. He was 33 years old, and after hearing of the parents' anguish, offered his services to mount a legal challenge against Om. Sakamoto had built a career representing the oppressed and downtrodden. He graduated uh, Tokyo University Law School and quickly established a reputation as a hardworking human rights lawyer. Even though his work is highly important in his life, the pride of Sakamoto's world was his family, his wife, and his, and his baby son. They were a very close family. When she wasn't looking after their 14-month-old son, she worked part-time at her husband's practice, sharing his love and enthusiasm for human rights. What if they named that kid Egg Roll? No, they named him Tat Tatsuhiko, T-A-T-S-U-H-I-K-O. Sounds like an Egg Roll to me. <laughs> Initially, Sakamoto agreed to act on behalf of one family to seek release of its underage daughter from the clutches of Om. Word of his work quickly spread. Soon, many more families and individuals approached him to act for them. And by October, he was preparing actions for 23 individual cases, all of them against Om. Sakamoto was no stranger to cult behavior, having taken on the Moonies several years before. The brief... 
was complicated. And the first order of business was to organize the individual complaints into a group called the Society of Ohm Supreme Truth Victims. Secondly, he contacted Ohm to negotiate on behalf of the parents for fair and proper access to their children. Now, Alm officials greeted his initial inquiries with polite indifference. This brought him into direct, con- brought him into direct contact with Alm's chief legal counsel, a guy by the name of, I don't, these names, Yoshi, Yoshinobu I, Oyama, a 29-year-old who was also a brilliant... Your mama. Your yo mama. Yo mama. He was a twenty a brilliant twenty nine year old lawyer from a wealthy family, and he was credited with being the youngest student to pass the tough bar exams at Kyoto University Law School. Having joined Alm in nineteen eighty eight, his shrewd legal abilities had quickly elevated him to a position of influence within the sect as principal legal advisor. Now yo mama <laughs> now you're gonna have me saying that. I have cheesy mama. Our cheesy Mazda and Yo Mama. And Yo Mama. First counter to Sakamoto's lawsuits was his offer to schedule a meeting between a Sakamoto's clients and their and her daughter. Uh, Sakamoto was in no mood for soft negotiations and pr- firmly presented a case for the release of all the children in question. And he pressed even further when he advised uh, Oyama. <laughs> I don't even know how Yo to Mama. pronounce it. A O Y A M A. That he also acted on behalf of a former sect member who had undergone Asahara's blood initiation. The basis of the claim was that the person had paid for the treatment and experienced none of the benefits that he'd been told he should expect. His request was simple the treatment hadn't been performed, so he wanted his money back. The media soon learned of Sakamoto's dealings with Om, and shortly after his first contact with the sect, he was interviewed on radio and television stating unequivocally that Om was guilty of holding members against their will, fraud, and unethical practices. Well, having a leader named Cheesy Mazda. (laughs) I kind of fear that's going to happen. It's going to. Now, Asahara's response was swift. He started distributing handbills attempting to discredit Sakamoto, um, throughout the Yokohama, fo- were distributed throughout Yokohama, followed by threatening phone calls to his home and office. Sakamoto's response to the threats was to increase the legal pressure on the set. On October 31st, 1989, a, dep- a deputation led by Ayama visited Sak- Sakamoto in his office in an attempt to defend the criticism of the blood initiation matter. The sex attorney insisted that a scientific study had shown that Asahara's blood did contain, quote, a secret power. Now, Sakamoto informed him that he had contacted the leading medical school that had supposedly ran the test and found that no such test had been, had been taken. The sect attorney countered, stating that a graduate of the same medical school had conducted the test in an arm laboratory, and Sakamoto demanded to see written confirmation of the test results. Now, the sect attorney angrily accused Sakamoto of mounting a campaign against religious freedom, and the meeting broke down shortly after that. Two days later, Asahara called a meeting with his leading henchmen to discuss the Sakamoto problem. His instructions were clear and straight to the point. Something had to be done to silence this attorney. Asahara was mindful of the damage that a lawsuit could do, and Om's status as an official religion was still in the probationary stage and would be quickly revoked if a legal scandal ensued, a move that could mean the end of his rapidly growing empire. 
He was told by his inner circle that they had a drug that could kill a man in five minutes. There was some discussion regarding the method of administrating this narcotic until it was suggested that Sakamoto be dragged into a car and injected. Dr. Tomomasa Nakagawa, one of the cult physicians, was eager to carry out his master's instructions. So Asahara then gave the order and an attack was scheduled for the following day. On November 3rd, 1989, a small group of men left the Alm compound to drive to Yokohama, and among them was Hideo Murai, the chief scientist, uh, Satoru Hashimoto, a martial arts expert, and Dr. Nakagawa, who carried a pouch containing seven syringes filled with potassium chloride. Wah! I know, right? The plan was to await... Hang on, where am I? Oh. You're in Vancouver. Keep it up. The plan was to wait outside of of Yokohama Railway Station for Sakamoto to return from work, drag him into their car, inject him, drive the body back to the compound, and burn the remains. The plan proceeded on schedule. However, Sakamoto was late getting home. The men waited for several hours until finally they realized that it was a public holiday and he would be home with his family. Asahara was contacted and he directed them to wait until the early hours the following morning, go to the attorney's apartment and kill the entire family. At 3 a.m. the following morning, the group entered the apartment by one unlocked rear door and made their way to the master bedroom. As they entered the room, the baby awoke and began screaming. One of the men covered the boy's mouth with his hand and held him as Nakagawa injected the tiny baby with a massive dose of this lethal drug. I thought you were going to tell me the baby was a ninja. Or, Why, you know, or like, wouldn't Wah! that have been nice? And like starts whooping ass. I'm like, yeah, kick, kick ass, little fucking egg roll looking baby. <laughs> now the noise. No, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, uh, okay. Now Sakamoto was next. The two men attacked him while he slept and battered him in the, like beat him in the head with a hammer. That noise woke his wife who screamed and lashed out at her attackers, biting the hand of one until she too was hit and until she too was beaten to submission and finally strangled to death. Hey man, sometimes you gotta smack a chick when they bite you. I'm just saying, dude. Uh, you know what? I would ha- I would agree with you, but she was defending herself, Scott. Wait a minute. Were you saying that women have rights over there? That's why that that that, that that's fucked up. That's, I can't believe they gave women rights like they did here in America. What? <laughs> women have rights here? I thought women were property. Only you, only you can own them. I know. I should. That's the way it should be. Only you think that is what should, I'm getting. At. Should be me owning them. Now, after after she was strangled, that. <laughs> huh? I'm gonna get hate mail for that one. You are. Now both adults were then injected with the medication, uh, but Sakamoto, as he had done for most of his life, continued to fight. Finally, in desperation, two of the men strangled him until he was until he died. The family was then wrapped in its own bedding and transported back to the compound. Asahara was pleased with the results and directed the men to dispose of the bodies. The team obeyed, placing the corpses in metal drums, loaded them onto a truck, and drove out of the compound. They drove for several days looking for a suitable dumping ground until finally uh, the baby's body was hidden in wetlands near the Japanese Alps. Satsumi was buried in the... Attorney was buried in a forest several hours uh, drive away from where his son was left, and his wife was taken to another area and buried in a shallow grave near a mountain stream. 
prior to getting rid of the bodies, all the victims' teeth had been removed and smashed beyond identification, and the bedding was burned and the tools dumped in the ocean. Their grisly task completed, the killers returned to their headquarters where they were welcomed by Asahara, who told them that they had just done holy work. Well, it was a grisly situation, but it wasn't a polar bear situation. <laughs> a polar bear. Now, <laughs> he told them, don't feel guilty. The child will be born again in a higher world. Now, when Sakamoto failed to arrive at his office the following week, his associates became worried. Anxious family members went to the apartment to check, and the sight that greeted them caused confusion. The room showed clear signs of recent occupation with all the family's personal items still intact. The only things missing, apart from the family, were items of bedding. One curious item was found that seemed definitely out of place. On the floor beside a cupboard, Sakamoto's mother found a, ba a badge inscribed with the insignia of Om Supreme Truth. Oh, no. We I know, huh? a badge of Om. Om. <laughs> the police were called and made a rudimentary investigation, but seemed disinterested in the family's disappearance. When it was suggested that Om was responsible, the police backed away from the suggesting suggestion proposing that Sakamoto, who they saw as a troublemaker, had organized the whole thing to discredit Om. Oh, they just go to Tokyo. Right? They, he just wants to, you know. News of the event reached the We just want to media. do a little dance, make a little love, I get down tonight. <laughs> You're so stupid. Did he want to Wang Chung tonight? Everybody have fun tonight. Everybody Wang Chung tonight. You're horrible. If you don't know the reference to that song, then you are too fucking young to be listening to this. Just That's saying. right. We are too fucking young. Now, news of the event reached the media, and soon Alm's name was being linked to the disappearance. The public pressure made it difficult for the police to continue to ignore the connection. Finally, 16 days later, the police reluctantly approached Alm and requested an interview with Asahara. Asahara avoided the police for several days before leaving the country to travel to Germany, supposedly to oversee the European expansion of Alm. While Asahara and Entourage toured Germany on a recruiting drive, the media interest in the Sakamoto case was increasing. The Sunday Mainichi, because of its previous exposure to Alm's lunacy, believed them responsible and sent a reporter to Bonn to interview Asahara. I bet you that reporter's name was Chips. Or Simon Laban. No, chips. You have a cheesy Mazda. You need chips for the dips. Oh, my God. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> You're so horrible. Now, he was refused entry to the Om residence and dragged away by Asahara's men. Soon after that, a press conference was called by Asahara to deny any involvement in the alleged Sakamoto kidnapping. When one reporter raised the question of the badge found at the scene, Asahara answered that anyone could get one because over 40,000 of them had been distributed, when in fact less than 100 had been made. The police lost interest in the case, and eventually the media did as well. Seemingly, oh, we Aung got to sushi. had gotten away with murder again. See, he I get away with murder. You're so bad. Cheesy Mazda in. I get away with a murder. Oh, my God. Now, obviously. I'm pissing off a whole country. You I are. Got our fucking, our, you our know, we do have a listenership in Japan. You're just. Our demographic in fucking Japan is going to go to shit. Now, he make fun of us all the time and say, ah, sushi. Yeah, yeah, I do. But I told. Uh, here's the thing, Japanese people. I warned you guys ahead of time. I make fun of everybody. It's just your day. 
It's just <laughs> your goddamn day. Yeah, um, he made fun of my Korean nephew a minute ago, so... Exactly. I'm going to make fun of the freaking uh, South Africans. I'm, I'm thinking of trying to think of jokes for how we... Whatever the fuck her name is. Elena? It's Iliana. Iliana. Iliana Uste. Uste. Is it Uste? I think... I think... I Don't quote me, because I've been known to be wrong with I her name. I think the J is silent. Might get yeah. want. Uste. Yeah, I'm trying to think of jokes for her. Um, I make fun of Canadians. I made fun of Canadians on the last episode. You did. Um, so, yeah, Japanese people, it's just your day. Suck it up. I'll make fun of my fat ass all the time. So, there you go. Oh, my goodness. Oh, Anyways. You may continue. Ho. Anyways. Um, now, since he was able to sidestep the law, Asahar began started a bizarre campaign to run for the upcoming national parliamentary elections. That's His, what I'm going to run for, too. Ho. You're going to run for the parliamentary elections? Yes, for Japan. <laughs> Dude, you'll be kicked out of Japan in a heartbeat. They are love You're going to be arrested. They're going to say, come here, Scott. We are love you. And I'm like, yes, sir. Yes, sir. You do. Because <laughs> I am samurai. I am samurai, Scott. <laughs> you're so stupid. Now, but his strategy. I will help you fight okay. Chichi Mazda. <laughs> I know you're tired. You've got to be tired the way you're acting right now. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm frustrated. It's fucking shitty ass. I don't mind. The, I love the rain. Except that I start off my day fucking soaking wet. Yeah, downpour. Yeah, because I had to get in and out of trailers, transfer my pallet jack back and forth, and uh, it's just, okay, soaking goddamn wet. And I'm just miserable. I'm cranky and I'm irritable. And uh, fucking good. Good day. Good day. Now, his strategy was to have a select group of his followers contest 25 seats in the lower house. Their campaign, campaigning was obscured. They preached of impending doom while at the same time promising freedom, equality, and benevolence for everybody. Their campaign budget ran into the millions of dollars. At one stage, hundreds of followers marched into the streets wearing hideous paper mache masks bearing a distorted caricature of Asahara. Like everything else that Om did, its approach to campaigning was radical and unethical, with supporters and candidates breaking every electoral rule. Opposition party poses were torn down, phones were tapped, and voters were intimidated. Regardless of their high budget and extreme electioneering strategies, Om's bid for political recognition failed when all 25 candidates, including Asahara, were defeated. The election result wasn't the only bad news for the cult. Throughout Japan, Alm was coming under intense scrutiny. Asahara spoke of extreme measures being required to educate the world about the power of Alm. He talked of raising an army to fight anyone who opposed his teachings. The election defeat seemed to act as a catalyst to his maniacal plans. Maniacal. Maniacal. I, you know what? I changed it. <laughs> his maniacal plans. Um, where was I? As he urged his scientists to create high-tech weapons for the coming war. At the beginning of 1990, Asahara's agenda could be summed up in one word. Revenge. Oh, I thought it was cheesy. <laughs> no, Scott, it wasn't cheesy. Now, Alm's chief scientists, Hideo Morai and Sicho Endo, succeeded in setting up a chemical laboratory second to none. After weeks of research into exotic weaponry, they convinced Asahara that chemical warfare was the ideal form of destruction. While nuclear devices were the preferred terror terrorist horror weapon, they were expensive and hard to obtain. Chemical weapons, on the other hand, 
could be created on in Alm's own specially constructed biolabs. After weeks of tests and trial runs, they succeeded in creating the most virulent form of toxin known to man. See, oh, hold on, hold on. They already fucked up. You want to know why? You want to know how? Why? How, how, how? Ask me how. Ask me how. Ask me how. I just said how. How? I am Chief Scott Scott. <laughs> Shit. No, they should have just researched Shirishi. Oh, I know, right? Dude, he already knew. Like, seriously, if you can get someone like, like oh, we need to get the notes off of my Shiro Ishii. And then you look through that shit and go, oh, I know I can fuck up a lot of people. Like, a, a lot, a lot of people. This dude already did the freaking work for me. Yeah, that's true. He did do a lot of freaking the the work for him. And, I mean, he ended up getting freaking uh, immunity for it, remember? Mm-hmm. And then you, you have an immunity and you get all the fish you see and rice that you want. Ha! Huh. Anyways, they came up with the tox. They created the toxin uh, Clostridium botulinum, the basis of botulism. Yeah. Normally exposed to humans by way of food poisoning, it is arguably the most poisonous substance in the natural world, being 10,000 times more potent than cobra venom and 16 million times stronger than strychnine. It is an efficient killer with one millionth of a gram considered to be a lethal dose. Why do you think I'm so against, seriously, like people who go, I'm going to go get Botox. I know. Do you realize what the fuck you're putting in your butt? You know, just a little tiny bit. You know how fucking dangerous that is? I don't care. That's like skinning somebody just a little bit. Oh, don't give me a fucking gen doll. Jesus fucking Christ. God damn it. Oh, uh, but before we go on, I got to tell you, I actually chit-chatted a little bit via our messenger with one of our other listeners from New York. Which one? Because she uh, had a question about how to post something. Like, she, well, I'm listening. I'm catching up on episodes and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, I don't know if it's you know pr- appropriate to talk about something that's two years old. I said, no, nah, go for it. And I wrote her name down, too. <laughs> her name was Casey Corbett. Oh. And she's out of upstate New York. What a sweetheart. She's a, a young mom. And I think that her, uh, her child is like five or under. And uh, the, the, we, were talk- we talked about the ne- negotiating uh, with the kid trying to get the Band-Aid off of her. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it's like negotiating with a little terrorist. That's what it is. Yes, when it comes to kids. they are. It's like you need, you, you need a negotiator from, from the cops out there going, look, don't, nobody has to get hurt, okay? We'll just <laughs> take it and rip. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was a good combo, man. What a sweetheart. Aww. Well, they first tested the lethal substance on rats by mixing it in their food, but nothing happened. I want to point out, not in a sexual way. Because normally I'm a perp, but no. You are very much a perp. I don't, I don't mean that in like a sexual way at all. I just fucking, it was just really good. It was enjoyable. Cool. But nothing happened. Finally, in frustration, Endo ordered that the rats be injected with the toxin, and again, it failed. Eventually, Endo's team found that the toxin had become neutralized when exposed to the air. Now, Asahara was disappointed. He was anxious to try out his new weapon, and he directed Endo to keep trying. The facilities were improved. However, the scientists' method of protecting themselves left a lot to be desired. Even though they had the latest biosuits to wear when handling toxic substances, they had very little idea of safe decontamination procedures. Endo's next effort seemed to be working. They planned to equip a truck with a special spraying device to spread the toxin in central Tokyo, particularly the area surrounding the Diet, which is the Japanese parliament. Now, Asahara was about to teach the government a lesson. While he waited with over a thousand followers on the distant island of Okinawa, 
the spraying team went to work. The idea was to kill off Japan's seat of government in one fell swoop, leaving the country in disarray and making way for a new leader to emerge. The leader, of course, would be so- Shoko Asahara. No, it'll be Cheesy Mazda. Cheesy Mazda. Fortunately, even though the sprays worked, the toxin didn't. Additional research was begun to find a new substance. While the attack with was a dismal failure. The island retreat organized by Asahara netted the cult an additional $2 million in revenue. Asahara was ecstatic, even though Alm was being scrutinized on a regular basis. It continued to thrive. Um, so I'm going to end part two right there. With the Chizamasa? Yes. Whatever, weirdo. Um, but we do have two more parts, so... I got to say, I didn't week. even remember really that I called him Cheesy Mazda until I listened to the last episode today. Oh, yeah. And when uh, they aired today. And I made myself laugh. Aha, Cheesy Mazda, that's fucking funny shit, man. You're so dumb. <laughs> and then singing, you know, uh, then I saw Cheesy Mazda and I'm a believer. And I was just cracking up. I was rolling. I bet you were. <laughs> You're so crazy. It's not me, man. The fucking voice is in my head. It's the first they time I'm hearing this going, shit. keep going, huh? Like the Energizer Bunny, just to keep going. They keep on going, and they're going, and they're going. Keep going. Just like you, you never stop. I can't stop. I'm too legit to quit. <laughs> hey, hey. Too legit. You are not MC Hammer. Too legit to quit. Hey, hey. I'm over here shaking my booty. You are not MC Hammer. I'm even better. I'm, I want to see you do the hammer dance. I'm MC Screwdriver. <laughs> No, no, you're not. I'm more useful in that toolbox. <laughs> Want to oh, see my Phillips head, baby? No, yeah. No, no, they I'm gonna don't. I'm going to give you the flathead treatment. It's not stubby. I can reach way into that hole. Ew. Ew. And then Bradley said fabulous. I just threw up a little bit. Your mom didn't. Yes, yeah, she did. She has no gag reflexes. Ew, stop it. Stop it right there. Bad boy. I told your mom to do that too, but she Stop said, nope. she said, I'm going, I'm going home. I'm going for the whole thing. I was, oh, sweet. Okay. Well, I tried. I hate you. <sighs> Good times. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm done. All right, boys and girls and turtles. You can send us an email at brutalnation at twistedbluellc.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Log on to Facebook. Join Citizens of Brutal Nation and interact with us. Uh, what else? I'm trying to think. Get your tickets. Uh, tickets are on sale now for the Twisted Blues show on November 3rd. There's uh, links all over the place on the Twisted Blue page and uh, on the Brutal Nation pages. and Or just go to freaking www.twistedbluellc.com. It's there, too. It's there, too. This show's copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And if you're hearing this or any part of this on anybody else's show or podcast except for... Who the fuck is we on there? God damn it. Metal, Metal Cross, Cross Radio. Jesus Christ. Metal Cross Radio. They're lying, thieving bastards. bastards. And we'll talk to you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.